Let's go ahead and, and turn to John chapter 3. Regular John, not 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. John chapter 3 is where we're going to be, you see. <laughs> um, by the way, I know some of you are going to know some of these verses already. Some of you are going to be like, I read that verse. I know what you're talking about here. There's some of you that's going to be brand new to, and some of you that you're going <laughs> to, I didn't say who, there's more than one person that says, I know this already. Guess what? There's a difference in knowing and trusting, right? And this is my goal for you is not for you just not to know, not just to know up here. And that's good. But guess what? That's the first step. What use is it if you don't live by it? Right. We read a, a verse this morning that says we know of God's love and we put what? Remember that verse? First John four. It's we know of God's love and we put our trust in it. I know of this chair. Right. But when you I use this example a lot, but it, it really fits. There's a difference in knowing that chair and putting your butt in it and all your weight in it. Right. It's you trust that when you sit down on that chair, it's going to hold you up. That's a different level of knowing and understanding as going. I see that chair. Right. Right. But but I haven't sat down in it. I haven't put my trust in it. And so. Um, I want you this week to not just know these things and know these Bible verses and be able to spit them back so your mom can go, good job, you learned something I can't. I want you to be able to trust. I want you to sit down in the seat and put your weight into it. And so um, the, here's the big idea. If you're taking notes, which I hope you are, uh, let me give you the big idea tonight. Knowing who we are will help you become who you were meant to be. If you don't know who you are now, it's going to be tough for you to stay on the path that God has for you. And when Jesus changes your identity, he changes who you are. And that's really what we're going to talk about tonight. I know it was weird for me to say, here's your identity. And then I'm, I spent half an hour talking about God and not you. But again, it lays the foundation and you need to know who God is so that you know who you are in comparison. And let's be honest, most of us have jacked up ideas of who we are, right? We, I know you can look in the mirror and I know you see things in the mirror or see things in yourself that you, you go, somebody will say, oh, you're so pretty, you're so handsome. And you're like, no, I'm not. Or maybe some of you have the opposite reaction and you think you are, you think your poop don't stink. You're the best thing since sliced bread. I, have you noticed that people are normally in one of these two extremes when you talk about self-confidence and how you feel about yourself? Either you think you're just the best, you just are glorious in the center of the universe. You're the most important person in the room. By the way, this is how I know you think you're the most important person in the room. When you talk to somebody, I've heard conversations g going on where both people are trying to say what they're going to say and they're not listening to each other. And so all they're doing is just taking breaks while the other person shares what they want to talk about. And there's actually no listen. That's when I know that both these people really don't give a hoot what the other person is saying. That's an extreme. But then there's some of us that, that have believed another lie, right? Because that's a lie that you are the most important person on the planet and that everybody should, that if you don't get your way, something is not right with the world. 
But there's, that's a lie. That's, by the way, that's a lie from the devil. But there's another lie from the devil that he gets through a lot, which is that you're nothing. Which is that you're worthless. Which is that you, you're always going to come up short. You're never going to be who you want to be. That you're not good enough. You're worthless. You're, you're useless. And we have these unreal and unhealthy views of ourself. And I usually don't like to talk about us, right? I'm usually one of those that says, don't, don't think about you, think about other people. And, and that's true. But we do want to spend a few minutes tonight uh, having what Romans 12, 3 calls an honest evaluation of yourself. Romans 12, 3, if you want to write down the verse reference, says, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. It's time that we be honest who is Hank? Who is Emma? Who is Haley? We need to be honest with ourselves on how we evaluate, on, on, on who we really are and what our identity really is. But do, notice, what does that verse say that we use to measure ourselves? The faith that God has given you. So really, it's not about you. <laughs> Your idea, how you rate yourself is really not about you, is it? It's not about you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's not whether you made all the grades that you want to make this year. It's not about the jo you having the job that you want to have when you grow up. It's not about how many likes or followers or shares or whatever you have on social media. Like all that stuff is, are, are terrible ways to measure yourself. How much money you have in the bank, how many friends that you have that, that call you and text you. All that stuff is not how we measure ourselves. We measure ourselves by the faith that God has given us. By the way, it makes sense then why we talked first about God, because if we're going to measure ourselves, we need to we need to see God clearly because he is how we measure ourselves. Am I blown? Is that y'all keeping up? Y'all tracking with me? Yes. OK. Um, so in the first session, we ended with what? John three sixteen. You can, you, you'll probably have memorized that one by now, right? I know a song to it. A song? What, you, you know a song to it? Wow. Well, here's a microphone. No. I that VBS like 12 years Those VBS songs stay in your brain forever, don't they? <clears throat> but the rest, the verses right after that are not as popular. They're a little more uncomfortable. And that's what we're going to read tonight. Um, that will, that John 3.16 helps us know God, but 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21 help us get to know ourselves. All right, so we got that pulled up. All right, let's read. John 3, I'm reading the New Living Translation. If y'all have a, a different, you, hey, that's my favorite translation. Don't you be making faces. Um, no, you may have some other translations that sound a little different. That's okay. Um, they all mean about the same thing. Um, there's probably, you probably don't own a bad translation of the Bible, although there are some out there. Um, oh, I went all the way to the top. Okay, let's read John 3, 16 through 21. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Uh, good news? Everybody good with that? Yeah? All right. We're on board? All right. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So Jesus send, coming and, and being sent here was not, was not, he wasn't coming to, you know, spoil the party. He's coming to save you. Verse 18 says, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. 
God's light came into the world. Remember we said that God is light and there is no darkness in him. We said that this morning. God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than light for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for the fear of their sins will be exposed. Verse 21 says, but those who do what is right come to the light, that rhymes, so others can see what, that they are doing what God wants. It's a little different, takes a turn, doesn't it? God so loves the world, everything's, oh wait, but there's judgment in tow. There's consequences in tow. People are being called evil. And this helps us to understand a few things about ourselves. So I've got another three big ideas. Um, not every sermon this week will have three points, but I do do that a lot. Uh, those of you that are, and I just can't, my brain goes there and I'm like, I got to have a third point or I can't finish. But there is three big ideas or three uh, statements I want you to understand about yourself. All right. Here's the first one is that this is what I want you to write. I am created with purpose. I am created with purpose. Proverbs 16, 4, you can write underneath that. Proverbs 16, 4 says, the Lord has made everything for its purpose. Are you everything? Well, you're not everything, but you're a part of everything, right? That means you. When, when Proverbs says the Lord has made everything with a purpose, that includes you too. You're not an accident. You're not a cosmic whoopsie. You're not a random set of cells and, and, uh, and atoms smushed together that just happened to fall out and boom, I'm Titan. Like that's not, no, there is a purpose behind you and you being here. Ecclesiastes 3 is another uh, verses 11 and 14 says this, yet God made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. And even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. God's purpose is that people should fear him. God has made you for this world, but he's also made you for so much more. In fact, who, who will admit to me that they don't know everything about God's plan? good. You should all, you should all, right? And guess what? According to Ecclesiastes, that's okay. None of us can wrap our little pea brains around what exactly God is doing in our life. He has, he sees the whole picture. He knows far more. In fact, the Bible says our, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And so when I, I it's kind of like we were talking about with Oliver this morning, he can't understand why I won't let him have a knife to run around with. Uh, but one day he will understand, but he doesn't right now. And that's the same thing with us. Um, we can't understand the scope of what he's doing. So why he made you the way he did? Why did he make, give you the struggles that he gave you? Why did he give you the tendencies that you have? Why do you, uh, why do you look the way you do? God has a plan for all of that. He's the Bible says he's numbered the hairs on your head meaning he's meticulous. He knows exactly what makes you tick and he has a purpose for all that. And his, one of his purposes is so that you would fear him. Now we don't like the idea of fearing God probably, right? We all, who was talking about the horror movies earlier? Like, you know, we're talking about Annabelle and all those creepy movies and stuff like that. 
that that those movies strike fear into my hearts. I'm a little scaredy boy, right? I'm like, no, I want to go, want to go watch My Little Pony now, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right? I don't, we don't like yeah, My Little Ponies is scary for other reasons, but uh, but that's not the type of fear that this means right here, right? Because there is a element of respect to fear, you know, like when the principal walks down the hallway or mama or daddy gets home and the, the laundry's not done like they're supposed to, right? Or you fill in the blank or a fear of, I don't know, when you, have you ever looked out, especially probably more when you were little kids and you heard the storm, right? You heard the thunder clap and the, that one, I remember when I was a teenager, I saw a funnel cloud off and, and I was like, I'm a little scared, right? I'm, I'm a little, that struck fear into my heart. Why? Because yes, of the consequences, but I was kind of in awe of this big gathering, powerful thundercloud and, and the, the cyclone that kind of came with it. God is saying he wants you to stand in awe of him. That where I went back and did a little nerdy search and, and found out that what the what the Hebrew of the word uh, you would like it I'll I'll share it with you there uh, uh, Miss Nerd and we'll, but the word oh okay well I'll teach you some Hebrew then and uh, but in Hebrew it meant to stand in awe. Right. My, my mom, Emma's grandma hates it when millennials and Gen Zers use the word awesome to like for everything. It's like, here's your, you know, you buy a coffee and they're like, here's your change. Oh, awesome. Thanks. Is it really awesome to get your change back? Does it fill you with awe? Like, wow. You know, like we pull in and Hey, are we going to McDonald's today? Yeah. Awesome. You've had McDonald's 400 times. Why is McDonald's striking awe and wonder into your heart? It doesn't. Right. But God does. God should. Right. He should. So when we say fear the Lord, that means recognizing who he is and that he's in charge and that he's good. Right. And that he loves you and that he's going to blow your mind. And he's so much better than we can imagine. That's what it means to fear him. And he says, that's my purpose. My purpose is for you to see me for who I am. But Ephesians one, four through six says this, he says, even before he, let me just help you to wrap your head around this. This is one of my favorite verses because it just shows you the scope of us versus God. He says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. You know what it means to be without fault? Somebody tell me what, what that means. Perfect. 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 Yeah. What do you say? Hmm? No sin, no spots, no mess ups. Perfect. Without fault. He chose you before time began, before this, this planet was a thing. He chose you to be in Christ holy, which means set apart, like special, a special possession and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. It's not like I was like, oh, I guess I got to send Jesus to die for their sins and, and invite them to be in presence. No, he created you with the desire to be with you. 
And he's decided to bring you into his family through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. He gave, it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. God said, you know what? However many years ago, there's debate on when that was, but also before the beginning of the universe. So I know it's hard to even imagine how long ago that was before the universe, but before the universe, God's like, I got an idea. I'm going to make me a Lila. I'm going to make me a Chrissa. I'm going to make me a Tyler. And I want them to be in a relationship with me. I want to set them apart. I want to give them fellowship with me, a relationship with me. I'm going to create them from nothing and I'm going to choose for them to be holy and without fault and with me. And it might take a few millennia, but we'll get there. But this is a great idea and it's going to be so worth it when we get there. That is what scripture is telling us is who we are. Ephesians 2.10 puts it like this. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Again, not only did he say, I'm going to make me a Lila, I'm going to make me a Tyler, I'm going to make me a Houston. But he says, and I want them to do good things. I don't want them just to exist to be with me. That's enough. But I also want them to do good things. I've got plans for what I'm going to do through Houston, what I'm going to do through Paige. I've got good things and they're not even born yet. Their grandma's 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 not even born yet, but I have a plan that includes them being with me and doing good things. And he does that through Jesus. Now, why do you think he needs Jesus to be a part of this? Anybody got any, why does it say through Christ? I've chosen you through Christ. I've chosen those that are in Christ. He says, has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why, why would, why bring Jesus into this? Because you have to be saved. Right. Salvation because Adam and Eve screwed up. Well, we're getting now. We're on to something here. Very good. This is the next thing I want you to write down. That leads into our next thing. It's pretty, it's basically this, uh, a different wording of this. Number two, I am broken by sin. Number two thing that I want you to write down is I am broken by sin. We read uh, in verse 19 of John 3, it says, God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. Your actions are evil. My actions without Christ are evil. When left to ourselves, we have broken our relationship with God. And that's why we need Christ. Romans 3.23 says everyone, everybody, everybody has sinned. We fall short of God's glorious standard. God says, this is what I expect from you. This is what I want from you. Follow me, obey me all the time, love your neighbor, do all these things. And it takes us about 3.2 seconds to screw that up. You're like, that's what Jake was talking about. All right, I feel better now. Oh, I sinned again. Come baptize me real quick. We don't need much time to be broken by our sin once again. Isaiah 59, 2 also shows us the result of what happens when we do this. It says, your sins have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away 
and will not listen anymore. When, when we sin, we're walking one way and God, we're walking with God and we turn and we go this way and we say, you know what, I'm going to sit over here, God, and I'm going to do my own thing. And what's going to happen? God's way over there. And you're like, hey, God, what were you saying? Like, like, I can't hear what the Emmas are saying. We can't hear what God's saying, right? Because sin has led us away. Romans 5.12 says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. So when, when we go around saying don't sin, it's not like we're being a killjoy. We just understand whenever your parents are trying to get you to not sin or me or, or your other leaders here are saying, hey, maybe don't do that. Maybe stay away from that and let's go this way. It's because we know that sin breeds death. It might, it might mean physical death. It might mean the death of relationships. It might mean the death of all sorts of things. But because Adam sinned, we are all born with this, this uh, we're all born at odds with God because of our sin. Um, so whenever you're, you disobey, whenever you're selfish, whenever you're lazy, whenever you lie, whenever you cheat, whenever you bully, all those things, when you do that, it introduces spiritual death into that situation, right? And so you, and the reason, again, it's not like I'm trying to be negative here. It's I'm trying for us to understand this component, this part of our life and understand who we are apart from Christ. You have to understand how broken you are so that you know that you need to be fixed, right? If Sarah couldn't feel her foot swelling up to the size of that basketball goal base over there, right? Um, and she just kept walking on that foot and she had no idea that her foot was whatever it is. Don't you think that would hurt more in the long run? infections. She'd, she'd, it, it, would, it would be much worse. But that pain that she felt was like, uh-oh, I need to do something about this. And so when you hear the word of God, when you hear the truth of God, when you hear an, an adult, whether it be your pastor, whether it be your, your parents or anybody else, come and say, this is sin. Don't do that. That's, that's the pain. It might be painful, but it's done so that you can do something about it so that you can change, so that you know that, uh, that, that this is a problem that you need to have God fix. And so you are, we are broken with sin. That is just a part of who we are. But that's not where it stops. Or at least for most of us, for some of us, if we let God change us, remember Jesus changes everything. And so this is the point where Jesus comes in and changes your identity. And so the, the, the third thing I want you to write down is this, I am redeemed at a price. I am redeemed at a price. How do I know what redeemed is? Somebody tell me what you think redeemed is? Brody? Brought back to a place of righteousness, not righteousness, but kind of. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, and by the way, doesn't redeemed can mean something other than spiritual things, right? Like you could say, like when y'all, did y'all ever have like a, um, 
Emma and, and uh, Hank and Dixie this year had the AR uh, store that they could redeem their points, their AR points for stuff that they liked. Um, and so there were tiny, you, you got tiny erasers or you? We redeemed them rede Right, and so that's what, and there she's using the word redeemed, right. It's I'm trading something in for something else, right? It's switching things and, and buying it back, right? Um, and that's when, when you are saved, when you have that experience with Jesus where you, you ask him to forgive you of your sin, you ask him to be your Lord and Savior, then he redeems you back from that sin because that sin is costly. Uh, Romans 5 kind of brings that Adam thing back into focus there and, and completes it. He says, for the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation. What's condemnation mean? That means you're condemned. That means you're judged. That means consequences. That means guilty as charged, right? Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because of one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. It kind of fits, doesn't it? It kind of balances back out. Um, the, the sin of Adam is redeemed by the righteousness of Jesus. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, if, if y'all have ever read through the Old Testament, they have some interesting church going practices. They didn't have a coffee bar. They didn't, they didn't have the storehouse at their, well, actually they did have a storehouse, but it was a different storehouse. But they, they didn't have Keurigs and, and snackies and stuff. What they did when they went to church is they would go get a goat from Stephen, or most people would have goats, and, that, but, and they would bring a goat or a, a cow or something. And when they sinned and they had a bad week, they came in and they put that animal up there and they slit its throat and they spread the blood on the altar, the scapegoat, right? Um, the, the, the sin offering, right? They, they would kill something. Now back then more people were farmers. You're like, oh my gosh, I've never killed an animal. But that was like what they did. It was like going to work. Oh, I gotta, you know, deal with this animal. But they would bring this animal to the altar at church and they would kill it because something had to die. They had to bring a sacrifice. They had, they had a sin debt that they needed to repay. Now, did that animal actually pay for their sin? No. Jesus, the Bible says Jesus paid for their sins and future, past, present, future. Um, but it was a symbol. It was, they, they made this connect. God was wanting us to make this connection. Sin, death. You sin over here, bloodshed. Not fun stuff. End of life. Yes. Bible, it had to be what they called a clean animal. Right. Like, like with no, like. No spots or blemishes. Very, yes. Girl, read her Bible. I'm, I like you, kid. Your parents must know what they're talking about. Um, no, the, uh, you're right. No, she, Em's right. They, they have, because, right, you couldn't just bring, like, the worst animal, right? It, it couldn't be your leftovers. It, could, it had to be your, and, and why was it spotless and, and flawless? Because guess who else was spotless and flawless? 
Jesus. Jesus. Right? That's where you do say the Sunday school answer. Yeah, oh, Jesus. Um, but something had to die, and it had to be something that was perfect to counterbalance the sin that you ran up. Right? It would, and I know that the mentality we have is, oh, come on, God. Like, do you have to, like, get so upset about this sin? Sin's not a big deal. Can't you just, like, make it go away? You're God. Can't you do that? He could. But sin is costly. And something had to pay the price. That's what redemption is. Is God says, you're way in debt to me. And you will never be able to pay it back. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay that price for you. Uh, Colossians 1, 19 through 22. There's another verse I want you to write down and come back to. It says, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. That means Jesus was 100% God. And it says, and, th and through him, God reconciled or redeemed. Reconcile is another way of saying that. Balance the books, redeem uh, everything, everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who are once far away from God. Check this out. This is the, this is the Jesus changing your identity part. You were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I don't know about y'all, but I've done some stuff. If you're honest with yourself, you can go back and think of all the dirty, rotten stuff that you've done. And the fact that we can go into God's presence and he looks at you and I and he doesn't see that stuff anymore. He doesn't see that thing you watched on the computer the other night. He doesn't see the way you talked to that person the other day. He doesn't see the thoughts that go through your mind that you know are terrible that you need to take captive. He doesn't see that anymore because when we give that to him, you know who he sees? Jesus. Sunday school answer again. Right? When he looks at you, he doesn't see Brody's mistakes. He doesn't see Emma's troubles. He doesn't see Hank's disobedience. He doesn't see Haley's back talk to Bubby. Right? Why? <laughs> She's not even here. I know, but she's he she hears everything. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. um, if you are in Christ, he doesn't see any of that anymore. He just sees the spotless, perfect life that Jesus lived. And he said, good enough, bring him in. What did that song that we sing a few minutes ago say? Your name is written down in heaven. Because if you're in Christ, he goes, Emma gets credit for that. Caitlin gets credit for that. That perfect life that Jesus lived, that sacrifice that he made, Lila gets credit for that. Put her on the books. What if, but what if, let's just say, I was, I was thinking about this earlier, and I guess Richard's not here to, to joke with me and laugh at me about this, but let's say I get arrested this week, right? I go rob the convenience store down there, right? The, the bait and tackle down the road that, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I don't even have to really use a gun. I can just get like a big stick, you know, and, like, and I get in trouble 
and, and I, they take me off to jail. And they say, your bail is $100,000. Because they're real mad. Like, you North Carolinians coming here, making fun of us and robbing us. They would. What if Haley and Richard said, you know what we're going to do? The most expensive thing we've got is our house. I'm going to sell my house to bail Ben out of jail. Appreciate you, right? What, what would you think about that? What would you think about how they feel about me? They might, they might like me way more than I'm worth, right? They, they love me way more than I deserve to be loved if, that, if they did that. That is nothing compared to what God gave up. God, I, 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 heard, a, I heard a song say, God bankrupted heaven, right? He took his son, Jesus. I know it gets confusing because Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all that, and Jesus is fully God, but he gave of himself his son and killed his son on the altar, a cross-shaped altar, so that he doesn't have to, we don't have to pay for our brokenness and our sin anymore. And so when, when that happens, when you receive that, then your sin doesn't define you anymore. Your identity is not how you screwed up. Your identity is not the issues that you may still struggle with. Because guess what? Are we going to be perfect? No. We're going to struggle. The Bible says that we will continue to struggle until we are at home with the Lord one day and he's made our bodies and our minds perfect again. But when we get saved, when we are truly in Christ, we go through. I, I like the, the picture that the Bible paints of, of God inviting us into his living room, right? Like brings us into the family, takes us to the table so we can all sit down and eat. But the door is Jesus. In fact, Jesus goes around calling himself the door, which is a weird nickname to have if you don't know the context, right? But he says, I'm the door. You want to get to the Father? Got to go through me. Right? And so that, but it's because of our brokenness that the redemption comes through walking through that door that is Jesus. That, and, and God bought you back at such a high price. That should tell you what God thinks and feels about you. The fact that he would give up his own kid. Look, I love y'all, but I love my kids more than y'all. Let's be honest. Right. That is, it is hard. I know. Right. Right. You're so wounded. But I understand that even better than I ever did until it, once I had kids and I, and I knew and I understood how much I loved my kids and the, to think that God would give up his kid for a dirt bag like me. I don't, I don't, it doesn't compute. Right. But that is how God, that's, what, that's how much God loves me. That's how much he loves you. That he would give up everything that he had. By the way, he didn't break this relationship. We did. He was under no obligation to take you back, to take us back. And yet he gives us chance after chance after chance. He says, come back to me. Just go through the door. Just go through Jesus. That should change your life. That should change everything. It's when you live in that truth. And I'm not saying that you'll never have doubts. Don't feel bad if you ever aren't feeling it. I get it. I've been there. There are days I don't feel it too. But if you will actually build your life on this foundation that God loves you so much that even though you don't deserve it, he, by the way, us understanding that we're sinners, that we're broken, that helps us to be humble, right? That means we're, you know, 
We're not getting arrogant. We're not getting cocky. We're not getting demanding. But then the fact that he loves us so much that even though we're pretty much hot garbage, he's still going to give up everything that he has for us. That's how we balance. Now we're not struggling with our self-esteem. Some of y'all are believing the lies of the enemy that you are not enough. And Jesus says, you're more than enough. You're worth so much that I will give up my son for you. I will give up Jesus, who's way cooler than we are. Let's be honest, way better than we are. And yet he says, he gets to die. He gets to suffer so that you can have access to me again. That should change everything in your life. Titus 2.14, I want to end up with just two more verses here. Titus 2.14 says this, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous of good works. That's all, I know that's a lot of words. That's a lot. I wish I was paying attention enough to put it on the screen right. Um, God gave himself to redeem us, not so that you get to do whatever you want to do, not so that you get to get out of, out of hell free card and, and you get to just still continue to live for yourself. But he, he bought us back and purified us so that we can be his own possession. And it says zealous of good works. I got to be honest. I know y'all. I love y'all. Zealous for good works may not describe very many of us. Y'all know what zealous means? I know it sounds like jealous, but it doesn't mean that. It's not very, exactly. Very, like really eager, really, very happy, very excited about doing good works. Let's be honest. Most of us are so, so on doing good works where if we got to, okay, fine, I guess I'll do this. But he says, I, I, the goal is for us to be zealous to do good things. When I say Jesus changes your identity, I mean that once you were his enemy, now you are his prized possession. And, and if we have our honest evaluation of ourselves, which is what we started off with, have an honest evaluation. Let me tell you who you really are. You were created with the purpose, but you messed that purpose up with your sin. But you were bought back through Jesus. And so really, uh, Colossians 3.11 is where I want us to end. It says, in this new life, it doesn't matter who you are. What if, you, what if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not smart enough? What if I don't say the right things and do the right things? It doesn't matter who you are. I know that's hurtful to some of you who are arrogant and think that the world revolves around you. It doesn't matter who you are. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. If you are a Christian, he lives in you and he is the best thing about you and he is the reason that you're still here. about to pray and then we're going to go to our groups. But if you will get this, if you will really understand this, you are going to save yourself so much crap. Language. It's going to save yourself so many issues. You're going to save yourself so much hurt. You're going to save yourself so much uh, relationship destruction. You're going to give yourself so much peace, so much joy, so much contentment, and so much purpose. Because your purpose is there for you. And we all have that in common. And while God may work your purpose out to mean different things, different jobs, different relationships, different places, different people, 
but your purpose is established and you don't have to worry about that anymore. Okay? If you have any questions, please talk about this in your group. Um, we want to make sure that you get this. It's so important. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the humbling truth that you don't need us. You don't have to love us, but you choose to. God, help us to not be so arrogant as to think that we're just so awesome that we got to, you got to be on our side and you, you have no choice but to love us. Lord, humble us. Help us to see us for ourselves, for who we truly are. Show us the sinful patterns in our lives. Show us the shortcomings that we have. But Lord, help us not to stay in that. Because you never intended for us to, as Jake said earlier, have guilt. Because guilt doesn't move us anywhere. But you give us the conviction to help us lean into your way out. Thank you for giving us a way out. And Lord, if there is somebody here this week, and I, I've been praying this for months now, that there's somebody here this week that has not gone through the door that you call Jesus, that is still your enemy, that is still far from you. I pray that these truths would, would sink down in their hearts tonight and they would, they would begin to understand how badly they need you. And for those of us too that are believing that lie that yes, we need you, but that you don't want us, that we could never be in your presence and that we could never be good enough for you. God, thank you for reminding us we don't have to be good enough. And I pray that if there's anybody that is feeling far from you, that tonight you would show them just how much they are wanted. They're not needed, but they're wanted. And how much you paid to redeem them, to bring them back into that right relationship with you. God, I pray that we would all leave here with a right relationship with you. God, help us to let down our walls, help us to love each other well as we talk in these groups. Lord, I just pray that you continue to move uh, as we get into your word, as we do what you've called us to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.